0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Tim. Thank you for joining us here. Another episode of Dropping the Gloves. Appreciate being here. It's weird with this YouTube. You got to be aware of how you look, Tim. I spent the first three minutes adjusting my hat. It just didn't do anything. I got a big fat head and no hats fit me. I've talked about this before. So what are we going to do? This is my Michigan Tech brand. Heart of a Husky. All over get a hat that fits me it's all over go to Michigan Tech the hockey team's not doing so hot they haven't haven't registered a regulation win just yet but it's early anyways this episode Tim is brought to you by give better you know give better Tim I know give better I think all of our listeners hopefully know about give better but if you don't listen up visit their website givebetter.app dtg take a quick survey and guess what all you do is you take a quick survey, three questions. You get a chance to win two NHL tickets to any game of your choice, Tim. Any game of your choice. All you have to do is take a three-question survey. Go to GiveBetter.app/dtg, and you can win hockey tickets to any game. And guess what? GiveBetter is just a cool company. It's responsible gambling. You go, you gamble on games. Everybody does it. Not everybody. Most most people do it with give better 25% of your losses gets donated to charity it's 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 such a great concept tim uses them i use them it's a fantastic company go to givebetter.app/dtg enroll today and you could win two tickets to a game of your choice so that means if you want to go in december january february march april who cares they'll hook you up with tickets if you live in toronto and you want to go to a game in florida they'll buy you tickets in florida if you live in australia and you want to catch a game in Madison Square Garden, they'll buy you two tickets, lower bowl, Tim. These aren't nosebleeds. These are good tickets. So check them out. Tell them we sent you, givebetter.app DTG for a chance to win. We're going to draw next month, November 27th. So you have 30 days and a few to get your uh, entries in. And we'll probably do more throughout the season, but this is the first one. This might be the best one. So sign up now. Give better. All right,
1: Tim, you know what's not so great? Well, my, I was, my
0: predictions,
1: I was thinking if I could pick a game right now, I'm picking a Red Wings game the way they're playing right now. I'll tell you what,
0: the Detroit Red Wings have started this season like a man possessed. They are on fire. They are motivated after a bad last year where nothing went right. They were still figuring out the eyes plan. They brought in a few new pieces They are playing great hockey now. They're second place in the Atlantic. They're 5-1-0. They got 10 points. Everything is clicking. And they're not just beating teams by one goal, two goals. They were blowing teams out. And they played some pretty good competition. You know, I always like to go back and poke holes in their competition. Yes, they beat Columbus. Yes, they beat Calgary. They've also beat Tampa Bay. They've beaten a good Pittsburgh Penguins team, and they've beaten a pretty good Ottawa Senators team that is right behind them in the standings shooting for a playoff spot. So uh, I'm I'm not one to um, concede my predictions, but maybe I, I spoke at a turn with the Detroit Red Wings, and maybe they are a team to be reckoned with so in, here in the tough Atlantic and Eastern Conference. I don't know. The verdict is still out. But the first line of Dylan Larkin, Lucas Raymond, Alex Dabrinkit, that's something special. They are playing very, very good hockey at a level I didn't think they had. I'll be be completely frank. I think everybody knows about my preseason predictions. I said Dabrinkit might get 25. Is that what I said, Tim? 25 to 30? He wasn't going to touch 40? Fast forward six games into the season, the guy's got eight goals in six games. Eight goals in six games, Tim. Can you believe that? Dylan Larkin's got eight assists. Coincidence? I think not. This this is a very good line. Larkin's playing very well. Lucas Raymond's playing out of this world. Alex DeBrinket is obviously taking advantage of having a a couple good players play alongside him now. I'm just kidding. Alex DeBrinket's playing fantastic as well. But I don't know. Do I think he's going to eclipse thirty? gosh what a start he kind of has to now right he's got what is it 60 or 78 games to score 20 some goals I think he'll probably do it but what a start for the Detroit Red Wings is is there anything going wrong with this team Tim
1: no they're getting production up and down the lineup but it's really that top line like you mentioned plus two defensemen Spear and most are also putting up solid points six and five respectively but going back going back to the brinket. The knock on him from from you on this show has always been, I don't, maybe you didn't use this word, but the passenger, right? He's a great number two on a line, but he needs a cane to be productive. Here he is. I don't know. Is he, is he number two to Larkin? They have great chemistry. Larkin's a very good playmaker. He's not in the upper echelon, but he's pretty close. It works those two. It works those two. and And Raymond's right there too. So I think it's a great line. No one expects them to keep this up obviously he's on pace for like 80 goals, 90 goals. He's not going to do it obviously, but he's going to score 40 I think if he keeps up if he keeps this up unless something goes terribly wrong. And now the Red Wings again, it's only like 10 days into the season, but they could be they could be not only a wild card but firmly in a playoff spot when it comes to June. So pretty cool.
0: Yeah, when you look at at last year, the experiment at Ottawa. I, I think the Senators play just at a different speed than the Red Wings do. They're more puck control. They're a little slower, to be honest with you. Claude Giroux, Tim Stutzel, Brady Kachuk, Norris, Batherson, Kubelik. None of these guys are burners. They're bigger bodies. They control the puck a little more. There's not this, you know, fast break rush attempt after attempt after attempt. But when you think of the Red Wings right now, when you think of that first line specifically, they're up and down the ice tent it's Larkin it's Raymond and it's to and they're going 100 miles an hour so maybe the speed of this team just fits to game more he likes to fast rush he likes to one timers from the edge I, I don't know what it is but so far it's working They're they're playing great hockey I play on a men's league here and they most of the guys look listen to the podcast it's always humbling when one guy goes, oh, you got a podcast? I'm like, I'm on your team, bro. But anyways, they are just talking about how great the Brinkett fits into this team. When you when you look at the guys who were in that position years past, you had a mantha you had a Bertuzzi, bigger bodies who maybe couldn't keep up with the Dylan Larkin. Maybe this is what this guy needs because he's been scratching at that ceiling of being a legit superstar, being a guy who can lead your team, a captain. In that upper echelon of captains in the NHL. He hasn't been there yet. Maybe all he needed was some players who can match his speed and pace. And that's the And that's Lucas Raymond. Lucas Raymond coming into his sophomore season, playing a lot better, playing more confident. And you put a 40-old score next to these guys, they're they're going to be good. And yeah, I I I understood Alex the I'll admit it. I thought he was riding shotgun to Kane. For all those years in Chicago, but still, putting in 40 goals is pretty impressive. I don't think he scores 40 this year. I think he's off to a pretty fortuitous start. He's getting some, I don't even think he's getting puck luck. He's just playing great. So, but his shooting percentage, Tim, is 42%. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's got, he's, he's had 19 shots and he scored eight of them. That's, that's not going to hold like, let's just pump the brakes there for a second, but he will come down to earth. Things will level out and his shooting percentage will be around 14%. So things will slow down, but it's a great start for the Red Wings in this competitive Atlantic division. They, they have really jumped out and put themselves in a good position moving forward to Thanksgiving because Hey, it's a month away. And I say it all the time. Everybody knows what comes Thanksgiving. If you're in the playoffs at that point, there's a 75% chance you'll be in that position when the season ends. So you got to set yourself up for success, Tim.
1: Well, I'm surprised that you are even changing your tune, even a little bit, just because it's only been six games and I don't care what you do. Six games is just six games. You know, he could have 12 goals and it's still just six games, but, um, I'm glad you're coming around a little bit. I like him more than you do. I think it's going to be great. I do think he's going to score 40 this year. And I think the Red Wings, I don't know. I didn't have them making the playoffs. I don't want to say they're going to just after six games, but they're making it, they're making that conversation a little bit more difficult. Meanwhile, auto Buffalo struggling. So we'll see.
0: Yeah. It's still very early. Like you said, and I, and I would have, kind of put this aside to break its start if it wasn't consistent you know he he's doing it every single game first game two goals one assist second game he gets an assist third game two goals one assist fourth game gets blanked by ottawa but still plays pretty strong last game gets a hat trick so it's not like he's just going in spurts he's playing consistent he's he's playing good hockey he's playing very good hockey all right moving on i, I saw an interesting story out of the what is it the l n a h that's the quebec senior league tour I don't know what the LNAH means but it's it's a French name Donald Brashear a once just almost on the Mount Rushmore of hockey fighters when you would ask people in the know he is a guy who's played for decades well now three four decades like the guy's been around forever he has dipped his toe back in professional hockey and he played his first game the other day and lo and behold he got into a fight with a guy Derek Parker who's a known tough guy in the LNAH and oddly enough, Derek uh Donald Bashir's last fight was versus Derek Bashar, Derek Parker 10 years ago on January 11th, 2013. So a full decade eclipsed before Donald Bashir fought his next fight. So he went from 41 years old fighting Derek Parker to 51 years old fighting Derek Parker. It was a, it was a typical Donald Bashir fight. You you square off, you grab him by the back of the collar and you nuggie his head for a minute. And then you call it a day. No good punches were landed. It was just a very boring fight. Donald Brashear has just made an incredible living by bear-hugging guys and surprising them with these little j- jabs. You will like bear-hug you, he grabs you by the collar, then pushes out a couple times and hits you in the side of the head in the ear. That's all he did for 20 years. Now for 40 years. It's amazing. But yeah, he's he's a celebrity in Quebec. He's he's a Montreal guy, I believe, or in that area. But what do you think? Is it a good thing, Tim, for hockey in
1: general, for a 51-year-old man to be fighting still? I mean, yeah, here we are talking about it. And I, we got some <laughs> tweets about it. Did you ever have any run-ins with him on the ice? No.
0: Or... No? no, I don't even. Maybe I did play against him. must have, because he played forever. But no, I've never fought him. He, I would have liked to. But he, he fights the complete opposite style of me. I like just wide open, obviously, because I have longer arms. This this whole clutch and grab junk, is it's not enjoyable for fans. I don't, and correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, I don't know a fan who enjoys it when both guys grab with both hands right away and you try to get position. Maybe initially then you can pull out. You, you watch Steve McIntyre. He's very good at it. He'll sit there and eat punches all day to try to get a good position, and then he starts punching. These guys don't start punching. They just get position, get position, get position, and then they throw a couple little nuggies and it's over. So I never liked the way he fought, ever.
1: So you never, like, he never would have made you nervous then?
0: Never, which is so hilarious. He's because so He's so big, yeah. He could go down as one of the greatest fighters. He never made me nervous, ever. The guys who made me nervous were the guys who would just throw back and fight. Matt Karkner's of the world. Who weren't afraid to get knocked out you know those guys are i was like oh okay like uh mac uh brian McGrattan never made me nervous because i knew he didn't punch hard he just did these little jabs it, it was very strange yeah it, it was the matt karkner's the um frazier mclaren always made me nervous and i fought him quite a quite a few times just because he didn't play defense he was all gas no breaks, and it was i loved fighting guys like that He made you nervous, right? No, he never did a little bit just because of his sheer size. But when you watch George fight, he didn't fight wide open. You know what I mean? He was never like angry. I guess I was never that angry too, but I've talked to George many times about this. He never really got angry. You know, who's angry right now, Tim? Evander Kane's angry for, for a very good reason. And it's funny when you start to see cracks form, in a team, in a company, in just in a family. And you can see where it's starting to just disintegrate. The end is near for the Edmonton Oilers if they don't correct this very soon. They've been a Stanley Cup contender for years now. Obviously, we're a part of the nation network. They're based in Edmonton, so they know everything Oilers. They all got Oilers tattoos. They love the Oilers, this and that. So this, I love when stuff like this happens because I, I can just shove it in their face. and like, suck it, Jay. Oilers stink. Take that, Tyler. Your team's garbage. So Evander Kane this past week got into a fight, got into a little fisticuffs, which is fine. The guy fights all the time. What made it interesting was his post-fight comments. They were on Hockey Night in Canada. They were playing the Winnipeg Jets. He dropped the gloves with Brendan Dillon, who in a whole other tangent is a terrible fighter. I play with him at San Jose. I think I say it all the time every time he fights. you do, He's yeah. so strong. He's just such a bad fighter. So he fights Dilly. He's um, getting interviewed by what's-his-face from Hockey Night in Canada. I can't can't place his name. And this is his quote. He goes, I didn't play much in the first, so I thought I might as well fight and take seven or minutes off in the box. A very strange quote to say mid-game from one of your top players, from a guy who you pay a lot of money to do stuff. So people do a little digging. That game. The Jets win 3-2 in overtime. Evander Kane plays his lowest minutes ever since becoming an Edmonton Oiler at 14 minutes and four seconds. He was demoted to the third line. He is being benched by Coach Jay Woodcroft. He is incensed. The cracks are starting. Now, is this a case of just Evander Kane being Evander Kane? We know all about his time in Buffalo. We know all about his time in Vegas. We know all about his time in Winnipeg. Not Vegas, excuse me, Winnipeg. He is not known as a good teammate, all in all. That's well-documented. Is this just a Vander Kane being a Vander Kane Tim, Or is this the start of something bigger? Where the Oilers, they're 1-3-1. and one. Their goaltenders are struggling. Skinner and Campbell stink. They absolutely stink. Their bottom six forwards, we've been saying it for years, can't score a goal, can't get an assist. Here's the stats, Tim, for the bottom six forward. They got now with Kane on the third line. So I'm even boosting their stats even more. You got Evander Kane, you got McLeod, Brown, Holloway, Ryan, and Broberg. Out of those six guys, Tim, six hockey players who have played five games each. So that's a total of what? What's six times five? 30. 30. (laughs) They played 30 games, one assist. Between the six of them, and that's Evander Kane. They're what? Dash, oh. They're they're dash sixteen between the oh. six of them, the third and fourth line, and Kane might have picked up that assist when he was on the first or second line. So we'll just call it like this: the third and fourth line in five games has not scored a goal for the Edmonton Oilers, and they've given up sixteen. Well, they're dash sixteen, so they've probably given up three or four. It's not good. The top couple guys: McDavid. Drysdale, Nuge, and Hyman account for almost 80% of their goals thus far in the season. Then you sprinkle in Bouchard, Nurse, the Demon, got a few. So everybody but the third and fourth line accounts for 100% of your goals. That ain't going to work. So what is this? Is this just Evander Kane reading the writing that's on the wall, the Edmonton Oilers are done, and everybody's getting frustrated, and he's just voicing it? Or is this nothing, and this will just pass?
1: I think it's going to pass. I'm not that worried about him. He's obviously Mm. frustrated with his play. He's frustrated with not getting enough playing time. And so he says something. I don't really have an issue with that. I probably wouldn't say something. I wouldn't want my guys to say something. But if he he didn't like he crossed the line or anything. So I'm okay with that. The season didn't start the way they wanted it to after a disappointing playoff loss. And then you got McDavid out things just aren't clicking right now. But well, this team's too talented to to continue this way. McDavid will be back in a week or two. They'll score in bunches. They'll, they'll win some game. Maybe they don't lead the Pacific, but they'll make the playoffs. And then the same thing's going to happen. It's still the same roster as the last three years. You know what I mean? Like they're probably a little bit better. Maybe you win two series if you're lucky, but this isn't built for a playoff run. Um, And especially when you look at the goaltending, I, I think Skinner is going to be fine. Campbell, I have just no faith in anymore. So, They'll make the playoffs. They'll be the team that we thought they were. And then they'll lose to a, a better team, to a Vegas or a Colorado or even a Dallas. So it's the same old, the same old for them.
0: Are they talented, though? Because you just said they're too talented to miss the playoffs. Yes. I don't see it. Obviously, they get the top two, right? They have the top two players in the NHL. After that.
1: The top like two lines, got... John. No, no. Dude, don't, don't do that. Hyman. Do then you... Nugent Hyman, Nugent had ninety what points last? He had, did a hundred points last year. He had ninety. I yeah, know. I think he 100. cracked hundred. Yeah. And then you have uh, Nurse, who's a great player, and and um, who's the other defenseman there? What's his name? Bouchard. Bouchard putting up Beckham. a bunch of Yeah, they're they're fine. They're fine. Okay. They're roster.
0: I, I I don't think they're as strong as you think they are. I think they do have two solid lines, but not the two best lines. So they have the two best centermen in the yeah. world. But I don't think Kane, Mark and Fogel, and the Nuge, are very scary wingers. You can't you can't say that they are. I think obviously Dreisaitl and McDavid they boost everybody around them. But if you put Dreisaitl and McDavid on a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning or a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs, if you put those two guys and put Marner and Nylander around them, it's going to be scary. Like they're going to put up some serious points. If you put them with the lightning and you give them the likes of Kucherov and Stamkos and Hagel, it's going to be scary. They don't have good wingers. They have okay wingers. But when you do the tiers, the Oilers wingers are definitely like tier C. There's A, there's B, and there's C.
1: Oh, if they had Alex Dabrinkit on their line, man.
0: Yeah, they would. Dabrinkit would get 50 with those guys. He really would. And you made a great point. If you put DeBrinket alongside Dreidtseidl instead of Hyman, who is a great player, he works his tail off, he maximizes his his talent, DeBrinket's getting 50, whereas Hyman's probably only getting 20. So, I don't know. I, I'm worried if I'm an Oilers fan. I really am, especially like you mentioned, McDavid's out how long, Tim?
1: They said just one to two weeks, so hopefully they're not very long. That's a big deal.
0: You got to bump Nuge into the center slot for the second line. All of a sudden, your your top two lines look pretty shallow. You got Nuge, Yanmark, and Fogel as your second line. This team is not dangerous without McDavid at all. They're a very pedestrian team. Their defense is good, not great. Maybe we saw the high watermark last year for guys like Kulak and Deharnay and CeCe. They're playing average this year, average at best. And then you mentioned the goaltenders, where who knows where Stuart Skinner goes? Last year, he played out of his mind, and he was fantastic. Now his save percentage is .814. That ain't good. His goals against average is 4.29. That's even worse. So they better figure it out quick, or they're going to be out of this thing before you know it. They're going to be the Vancouver Canucks of this year where they start the season 2-10-3. Then they're going to be trying to dig themselves out of a hole. They're not going to be able to get there, which would be a shame because, like I said, like you said, they are all they have some talent, But I don't know. What else is going on in this Pacific, Tim? How are the Calgary Flames doing?
1: Not good. Not good. I'm looking at their roster, and I was looking at their stats, and it's tough because I was betting on – remember my bold prediction that five teams from this division wouldn't make the playoffs? Yeah. And now the uh, the Oilers are sucking, the Flames are sucking, and the Kraken are (laughs) sucking. Not good. Um, And you look at – so the Flames roster, not not doing too well. And the star players that we were hoping would have bounce-back seasons – also aren't doing too well. We're looking at Huberdeau. I'm looking at Kadri. Huberdeau has four points in six games. Okay, not terrible. He's a minus six. Kadri, got to scroll all the way down here. Let's see, where is he? Two, two, two. He's got one. Is he? Is yeah, he he's got, got one, one point? point. Oh, there he is. I can't even see him. He's so far down. Minus eight, one point. Yeah.
0: It's it's atrocious. I, I don't know what's happened to Nazim Kadri. He's healthy. He's playing big minutes. He's getting 15 to 20 minutes a game. He's playing with Jonathan Hubert on most nights. It and must Dylan Dube.
1: He's just not playing well. They just don't Qadri work on Qadri. Sutter's system, right? Oh, wait a minute. Sutter's gone. What's your excuse this year, boys? I don't know. You got to play better.
0: I don't know what it is with this team. They they remind me of the Winnipeg Jets of six years ago, where they have a strong defense. They have a lot of good players, but they just can't figure it out. Like when you look at their defense, it's it's good. Like they're all NHL caliber. There's some puck movers. There's some physical players. There's some guys who are just PKers. When you look at their forwards, they're pretty solid. There's no superstars like we mentioned. Like I mentioned that you disagree with me, but. I don't know. It, it, much like the Edmonton Oilers, you better figure it out quick. Y- you can't do this for a lot longer than you're doing it right now, Edmonton and Calgary. Because you're running it. And I'm not even talking about this season. I'm talking about your window in general. I think Edmonton's window is slowly shrinking. The further we go along in this this little glimpse of McDavid and Dryensaddle that they have together... Ugh. You're, you're not doing yourself any favors, but anyways, moving on, we're going to do a little, remember that website, Tim hot or not? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. It's, one of my friends put my picture on there. I was hot. I was hot. You probably, you would be hot. People love this YouTube video we're doing because they get to see Tim's face. It's, it's very I, nice.
1: I get this. I more comments over the weekend of Tim's voice doesn't match his face. I don't know what they expect me to look like, but whatever. Probably a pimply-faced geek who's like 14. How about now? How about now?
0: You make it worse. You're sick, though, so it's it's exaggerating, amplifying your nasaliness. I am sick. Thanks for acknowledging that. You're sick of me. You're welcome, listener. All right, we're doing hot or not. We're going to go through some guys who are having some rough starts, and Tim and I are going to just try to ponder who can dig themselves out of this rough hole and who's in for a rough season. I'm going to start with... Fan favorite Alex Ovechkin. You know, I, I don't like, I don't like to do this, but I'm a little happy that he's having a struggling start to this season. People were just all over him. They want him to pass Wayne Gretzky. They're they're just all in on Alex Ovechkin scoring goals. Guess how many he's got this year? Tim Caps have played four games. Bagel, goose egg. I didn't even let you answer because I was so excited. The guy's got zero goals. In four games, more concerning for me and a reason why I don't think he will be able to get out of this funk. Yes, he will score some goals, but but the fantasy land that people live in, that he's going to get 40 now and 40 next year and break Gretzky's record, I think is starting to come down to earth a little bit. He's only got nine shots. That's the concerning thing for me. Alex Sovechkin prides himself on just shooting in numbers. He, he's a volume shooter. He fires from anywhere as often as he can. He's played four games. He's got nine shots. He's on the power play all the time. Three, four, five minutes a game. This is concerning to me. What's this telling me is other teams are just taking him away. When we used to play, I used to penalty kill sometimes. I used to be the PK in practice. What they would work on was... You just, you just eliminate Alex Kovechkin. John Tortorella did a great job of this. He's like, we're playing Washington in the playoffs. They have one guy who can beat us, and it's Ovi. So the power play, what what we would do to eliminate him, they'd put a guy right on him. Indeed, not right beside him, but they would take Ryan McDonough or Dan Girardi, and instead of playing a box or a triangle, you would theoretically make it a four on three to where the other guys would play a triangle, and McDonough would stand probably three feet from Ovechkin. And they would say, okay, beat us four on three. And they couldn't do it. And you would try to just take away Ovechkin. Other teams do that, and I think that's what teams are doing right now. It's like, who else on Washington is going to score a goal on the power play or five on five? Their lineup is very thin when it comes to goal scores. And if you can eliminate Ovechkin, is is it going to be Oshie? Who's, I think, 50 years old? Is it Wilson? Who's got more miles on them than Route 66? hey They They got nobody, Tim. They got no good talent in the pipeline. They have no scores that I can think of. Anthony Mantha's been playing on the fourth line for Pete's sake. That trade's looking real bad for the Capitals right now. So, I don't know. Do you think Ovi can can overcome this minor? It's 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 four games, but
1: it, can you overcome this, Tim? Well, what does overcome it mean? Like score forty goals? Will he score forty? Probably not. Probably not. No. And like you said, it's not just that. Like, oh, he doesn't have any goals in four games. Like that's that that can happen. But he's gone multiple goal, multiple games without a goal for the first time in his career. He's gone the shot total being low, and we kind of thought those things would work in his favor. The fact that they have no one else means he's going to still score his goals because he's going to get all the chances. But Maybe not when you're, you know, 40 years old, maybe those, that doesn't, that formula doesn't work anymore. So I don't, I think he'll be fine. Obviously he's not going to go the whole season, but 40 is looking out of reach right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If he doesn't get 40 this year or close to it, he will not break Gretzky's record. And I don't think he will. So I I'm, I'm, the receipts I have to him thousands of people calling from my head in the street saying, you're an idiot. It's not. It's going to happen. He's going to score sixty-two. Oh my gosh! It's going to be incredible when he doesn't break it, because he's not going to. You're basically the only it. one who said that. It it's so hard to score goals in the NHL. It's even harder to do it when you have no talent around you. Look at Bedard right now. He's having a hard time getting some open ice because the Hawks have a hard time creating space for him because teams game plan for Bedard. Team's game plan for Ovechkin. It's much easier to game plan for one player than a whole line or two lines or three guys or four guys. He's not going to do it. At least Bedard is 20. Ovechkin's almost 40. You think it's fun for him to fight through checks and this and that and really get into a good position and then have him blown up because the guy's standing right in front of him or the pass gets knocked away then he has to back check and he's playing 20 minutes a night. He went two games without getting a shot. That's never happened in his career. It's not good. It's not good. I I don't. My bold prediction should be if he gets 15. Yeah. He's going to get serious. Okay. Um, All right. Moving on. Another two guys that I think are not hot right now are Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews. (gasps) But wait. Austin Matthews has got six goals already this year. He got six goals in two games. Since then, he's gotten absolutely nothing. He's got zero assists, zero goals. in the last three games for the Toronto Maple Leafs, don't look now. Their leading scores are not Marner, they're not Matthews, they're Nealander and Tavares. Is this just a blip? Should I is it, is this much to do about nothing,
1: Tim? This is a non-issue. This is a non-issue. This is you trying to rile it up. So no. But they have other players that we should be worried about. Max Domi. Ooh. The reports are not good on him. They're saying he's playing like the worst hockey of his career. He's getting bumped down the lineup. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a healthy scratch at some point. Plus Tyler Bertuzzi, one goal, um, no, no assist, five games played. He was kind of like their big guy. He was supposed to play with Matthews and, and add to that top six, and he's not doing it. So those two players, are that's what's worth worrying about. I'm not worried about Matthews and Marner.
0: Yeah, their acquisition show so far have been lackluster. Friend of the show Ryan Reeves has not been well. I did a radio interview with someone in Toronto. I think it was Sportsnet Fan or whatever. They were all over Reeves. They're like he he's been a minus every single game. He's costing us games. Is he should we bench him? What should we do with Ryan Reeves? And and I will tell them what I'm telling you right now. There's bigger fish to fry in Toronto. If you're worried about your fourth line guy who's minus three, and I can guarantee you none of those goals are really his fault. There's some issues going on with the other guys. You mentioned Max Stomi, He's got zero goals, three assists. He's not happy. Tyler Bertuzzi even worse. He's got one goal plus two. Klingberg, I guess, is the only guy who's producing, but he's dash two. He's supposed to be a defensive stalwart. He's got two or four assists. So there's some bigger fish to fry with Toronto Maple Leafs right now for a team that went out, and like you mentioned, got the biggest free agent fish in Tyler Bertuzzi. You get the biggest defensive free agent fish, arguably with John Klingberg, to start three and two to struggle this this early. There's some questions on the back end. There's some questions in net. Is Joseph Wall the starting goaltender now? Samson has been very pedestrian. What's going to happen in Toronto? So. I don't know. I, I don't think Marners and Matthews are, are in trouble, but yeah, Tyler Bertuzzi, Max Domi. Oof, not good. Another guy who signed a big deal of this offseason. former Boston Bruin, Dimitri Olaf signed a two year, $7.75 million per deal with the Carolina Hurricanes. Huge contract, huge contract for a defenseman. Don't look now. He's leading the case for the green jacket. He's dash 10, Tim, <laughs> through six games played. He only has two assists. Has he just taken the check and ran?
1: No, no, he's fine. He's he's playing pretty well. Like you've seen some big hits from him. I, like you look at that roster and like Slavin's putting up a bunch of points. Brady Shea's putting up a bunch of points, and their defense is so strong that they they don't need Orlov to put up points. Not a great start for him, although the minuses, like you said. But again, this is not a player that I'm worried about. No, he's only dashed
0: ten in six games, not worried about them all. Uh, all right. Jason Robinson, then we're worried about him.
1: Yeah, a little bit. He's got two assists in four games, no goals, slow start for him, especially those fantasy owners that invested a first or second round pick on him. Not great. Um, Dallas as a whole has been kind of okay. They, they've won some games, but Rupe Hints is also a little bit of a slow start, but Robertson's the troubling one. Do you see a down season from him or is this just a little blip on the radar?
0: No, I think they'll be fine. I think this line's been together for so many years. They've proven it. This isn't just a one-off. I think it's just a slow start. These yeah. veterans, it was a truncated preseason. They're playing now. I think he'll pick it up coming the end of the month into November. I'm not worried about Robertson. That that line's too good. What about, uh, gosh, I hope, friend of the show one day, Tage Thompson, he's got one goal, Tim in six games, he's coming off an all-star caliber season, MVP caliber season, signs the big... Well, he didn't even sign a big ticket. Should have been captain. He's got one goal. Should we be worried about Tage
1: Thompson and the Buffalo Sabres? I'm going to put him right in with Alex Tuck, who also yeah. has one point in those six games. And I do own Tuck and Fantasy. Tough start. And I am a little bit worried about these guys. I really like their roster. I had the Sabres making the playoffs this year. And again, it's only six games. It's only six games. We could keep telling ourselves that, but they don't look good. The whole roster is not looking great right now. And you're not seeing the best out of their forwards. You're not seeing the best out of their defensemen. I don't know. I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's not a good start. And and it makes me really nervous that these guys aren't going to turn it around the way that we want them to.
0: Yeah, they're saying the right things. They're, they're, you know, pumping patience and this and that. They've signed all their defensive guys. They they bring in some young talent. He you got 47 goals last year. Like, he got 38 the year before. This isn't the start you want with Tage Thompson. He's He's been very open with his quest for 50. Like, he wants 50 goals, and he got one through six. Maybe he's pressing too much. Do you think he, he kind of drank the Kool-Aid? He became that guy last year. Everything went right for him. His shooting percentage was almost 16%, which is very, very high. I think his career average before then was like eight or nine. Do you think he's just maybe took the offseason off? He thought it was going to be easy? That that no. happens quite a bit. You don't think so?
1: No, no. Not the from what I read about his interviews, though, and his approach and how he broke out and how hard he worked to do that for being around for a while before he finally became an elite player. I don't think he's anyone that would take something for granted. So no, it's just a, it's a slow start for the team in general. It's it's the whole team. It's not just him. It's not just Tuck. It's not just Skinner or Darlene. It's everybody.
0: Well, I don't know what the answer is right now. They're last in the Atlantic Division. They've won two games. They've played a, the most with six games. So they need to figure it out. They need to figure it out fast. I said it with Edmonton. I said it with Calgary, especially in this Atlantic Division, Tim. With the improvement of the Ottawa Senators, Montreal Can- Canadiens are playing well. The Red Wings are playing fantastic. You can't start slow. Who are you going to jump if you're the Buffalo Sabres? You're in last place right now. Florida Panthers made it to the Cup last year. The Lightning have won the Cup twice in the last four years. The Leafs are always there. Senators are improved. Which one of these teams are you think you're going to jump? You have to get on this and you, you have to get on it now. You don't have this veteran-laden team that can come back and claw its way back and win tough games come February, March. These are the games you need to win. You need to jump out early like the Red Wings are doing right now. So I'm telling you, if I'm the Sabres, I am panicking. I am panicking more than the Oilers. I'm panicking more than the Flames. This division is not something you want to mess around with. All right, a couple more a couple more not-hots, and then we'll move on. We got Nico Hearshire with the Devils. He's got zero across the boards, Tim. He's your captain. Not good. You got Matty Beignes, one assist. What's going on there? Then you got Blake Wheeler with the Rangers, a big offseason get for them. He's got bagels across the board. Which one of those guys do you think is going to continue to struggle? And which one do you think is going to turn it around?
1: Wheeler is an easy one. He's, he's older. We didn't really know what to expect. It was a low-risk deal for them not working out so far. So it's easy to pick him as the one who's going to continue to struggle. Um Beniers, not Benier's. Beneers, I think well, that team has struggled as a whole. And I feel like he was kind of a, a surprise last year. Maybe not a surprise, but out you know, outperformed expectations. But that team is really struggling. And you're seeing the same thing from Jared McCann and Eberly. They're not putting up the same numbers either. So I might see they they could struggle all year long. He sure is going to be fine. He's hurt right now, so TBD on, on the extent of that, but the Devils are going to score a whole bunch of goals, and he's going to be a lock in that top six, so he'll be fine. He'll put up a bunch of points. I'm not worried about his slow start.
0: Okay, so if there's people who are not hot, conversely, there must be people who are hot. You, you can't have one without the other. For every John Scott who's not hot, there's a Tim Wurzberger who's smoking hot, and the babes are eyeing him up and down. So the people who are hot in the NHL, we talked about Dabrinka and Dylan Larkin. They're the hottest. They're the hottest of the hot. They're on fire. Another pair that I think nobody really is talking about, a team that's just sneakily... I know it's six games in, so it's weird to talk about having a good start. But a team that's you know sneaky, just playing well, is the Vancouver Canucks. And we're not talking about Elias Pettersson. He's playing well. He is their star player. We know that. I'm talking about JT Miller and Brock Besser. A duo who... It, it, controversy follows them around brock Bester is constantly in the trade rumors every single season is brock going to get traded what's going to happen with brock Bester? he's got a big contract is he living up to the contract what's going to happen well those two guys have put the rumors aside and jt everybody knows about jt mill the guy never met a microphone he doesn't like friend of our show love the kid those two guys are playing fantastic hockey. They are anchoring that second line for the Vancouver Canucks, which is huge. That first line is good. You got Pedersen, you got Kuzmenko, who's really came about, and you got Elia Macchiap. First line's Lux, rock solid. Second line with Miller, and you got Besser on the right side, and you got D Di- Giuseppe on the left side. They're playing great hockey. Brock Bester, five goals, I think, Tim, six goals. And you got G- yeah. six goals, one assist, and you got JT Miller. He's got, what does he have? He's got two goals, six assists for eight points. Are the Vancouver Canucks for real?
1: I hope so. I hope so. this is so, so important for this group. It's what he said before last season, how important it was to start, to start quick. And they lost a bunch of games. They didn't do it. And so it was really important for them this year and he's doing it. So I'm ex- really excited for them. I feel like hockey's a, the NHL is better when this group is competitive. Can they keep it going? I hope so o- on roster. There's a, on, on paper, there's a lot to be excited about with this roster. Pedersen, Miller, Besser, Hughes, Kuzmenko. Like these are pretty good players. And when, when Thatcher Demko is doing this right now, and Casey Smith, both playing excellent 2.57, 2.73, a little high, but the save percent is 930 and 938. So if, if this continues, there's a lot to be excited about with this roster. So I hope it continues.
0: Yeah, that sneaky Philip Ronick trade last year where they gave up a first rounder to Eisman doesn't look so bad right now. The Red Wings are playing great. But yeah, Ronick's playing good for the uh, Vancouver Canucks. Tyler Myers, we'll see how long this lasts. He's just like a balloon waiting to pop. It seems like every single year where he shows flashes of greatness. And it's just like front of the show, too. We've, we've interviewed a lot of players. All right. Another pair that's just on fire. I did not see this coming. I was very, um, what's the word down on the Boston Bruins coming into this season. I thought they were going to have the biggest points drop from one season to the next. They're undefeated Tim. They haven't lost a game. And the reason why is their goaltending duel between the pipes. Jeremy Swayman, Linus Allmark are on unstoppable it's just a carryover from last year I thought there was going to be some kind of just lag they're they're playing great they're both undefeated Allmark's three and0 Swayman's two and0 their save percentages are both hovering around 950 goals against Allmark's only let in one goal a game Swayman's at two goals a game these guys are the reason why the Bruins are undefeated a big reason not the only reason but they can't keep this up Tim can they for 82 games?
1: Well, no, they're not going to go eighty-two and zero, and the goaltenders are going to start letting in some goals. But I think they're showing us that they they were not going to. They don't expect that same dip that a lot of other people do. I think a big part of their success as well. David Pasternak, five goals, eight points in five games. Marshawn, seven points in five games. This is still a good team, and and we talked about this. Like they could have the biggest drop off in league history and still be a playoff team because of how silly last year was. That almost feels like an unfair standard to hold them to. That being said, they've played some some not great teams. They beat the Sharks, they beat the Ducks. You can't control who you who you play, but I still don't know like does anyone buying this 5-0 start from them? Is anyone thinking, "Man, we got to be worried about Boston now just like we were last year?" I just don't think they strike the same. They've they've earned a certain level of respect, but I don't think they strike a fear in anyone. I don't think they're circled on anyone's calendar right now. That being said, you got to give them credit for what they've done. So 5-0, it's a good start. But again, we'll see We'll see how that plays out over the next couple of weeks.
0: All right, Tim, let's get to some quick hits here.
1: Yeah, so when you need a quick delivery, you call DoorDash, 25% off with NATION25, all caps, free and free delivery. It's in Canada only, coming soon to the States. That's what you need when you need free delivery. When you need quick hits, you come to us. We're going to start with the Bruins because we're already talking about them. Jake DeBrusque with a healthy scratch the other night in LA for missing a team meeting in that morning. And this was interesting. The league that's sorry, The team account tweeted this out. This was not broken by a reporter. It said from the Boston Bruins Twitter account, Jake DeBrus missed a meeting this morning. He will not be playing tonight, which is strange. That sort of thing doesn't usually happen. I feel like that was Montgomery or Neely or someone asking for that, making sure that story was broken. Right. Um, and so, maybe not a big deal. It happens once or twice a season. Some guy just oversleeps or whatever. And and everyone talks about it. But for a guy who's kind of had, he had a great season last year, but he's had a, a questionable work ethic at times. He's gone cold at times. He's head with coaches at times, not a great start to the season. And then he gets healthy scratch for missing a meeting a la Taylor, Tyler Sagan. Is this a big deal to you or just there's nothing?
0: No, it's, it's a big deal. I, I think it's all about the details. And if you can't, Make a meeting. If you miss a meeting, it shows your priorities. And if you're on a successful team and a successful organization, I love what the Bruins did here. They make an example of them. I've been on teams where this happens and it's a good player. And Nebraska is a good player on this team. He's a top two line player. They'll just make an excuse. They'll swipe it under the rug and they'll say, don't do it again. Slap on the wrist. I love what they're doing. They're calling them out. They're saying, you know what? No, you can't do this. They're setting a standard, and he has to live up to it. And it's a big deal for DeBrusque. Obviously, we know his history, the trade request, not performing, being disgruntled. All in all, maybe getting the coach fired, him and a few other people. But it's uh, it's a big deal. The Bruins reacted accordingly, and I like what's I like what they've done. Hopefully, DeBrusque doesn't get his pride hurt and just go into a big depression and just start blaming other people and not take accountability. Hopefully he just says, you know what? I made a mistake, move past it, earn his respect and trust back from the coach and the players because it's a big deal. Everybody's there. Like everybody knows the time. And when you're a hockey player, the organization makes it very easy for you to get to places. Team meeting in the hotel or at the rink. You get a bus from the hotel to the rink. Multiple buses every day go to the rink. If there's a skate at 10 a.m. and a meeting at 9, there'll be a bus at 8 There will be a bus at 8.30. There's multiple taxis. You can Uber. It's not hard to get somewhere when you're in the show. They make it so easy for you. So for the fact that he missed that, it's completely on him. Completely on him. He needs to own up to it and move on, and uh, they'll forget about it. But if he doesn't and he makes a comment, which he is prone to do, then it'll drag on and it'll affect the whole team. But, yeah, good for the Bruins. I like it. What else, Tim?
1: Yeah, so the Bruins are among the three undefeated teams so far like we talked about including Vegas and Colorado who I am really I'm buying into I know you're not um they and then the winless teams there's three teams that are two teams that haven't won any regulation games now the sharks and the capitals the sharks you called them having the worst record in in hockey at the beginning of the season so far it looks like it's going to be true
0: yeah which one of these teams do you think we got we got the avalanche we got the knights and the bruins all undefeated who was the last man standing of all these teams? Colorado, they play the Islanders, and they play the Penguins. Do you think they'll take care of work and beat those two teams? They could, yeah. All right. Oh. The Bruins are looking at the Blackhawks, they're looking at the Ducks, and they're looking at the Detroit Red Wings for the next few games. Do you think those are tap-in wins for them? They they could be. Okay, who's, who's Vegas? All right, got? in the Vegas Golden Knights, they got the Flyers and the Blackhawks and the LA Kings. Wow. All winnable games for all these teams. I think the last one standing for me is the Vegas Golden Knights. They they are the strongest team top to bottom. There was no Stanley Cup hangover there, but it's uh, it's fun to watch these guys play. Going to the winless teams, which one's finally gonna get a win? The sharks or the caps?
1: The caps. I'm just I'm gonna bet against the sharks all season long. It's it's easy money. So yeah, I'll go with the Capitals. All right. What's this frozen friendly frenzy, Tim, before we get out of here? So there's 16 games tonight. All 32 teams are going to play tonight on Tuesday. And ESPN's doing this new thing called Frozen Frenzy, where you're going to basically live stream the games and all the scoring and all the big plays a la NFL's Red Zone. It's the first time they've ever done it. It's going to debut tonight, which is really exciting. And the fact that they've had 16 games in one night on, on this early in the season is pretty exciting. So I'm going to have that on tonight. I'm going to be watching. Not going to miss it. Um You would watch, too, if you had a TV, but you can't. So...
0: I have a laptop. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to everybody later this week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.